Welcome to the Carmack Podcast. We are the podcast for the heavy-duty industry. I am your host, Jim Allen, and today's guest is Lucas Deal from Truck Parts and Service. Today, we're going to talk to Lucas about uh, his publications and the heavy-duty industry. Stay tuned. We're good. You look so good, man. Do I spill it? Did I, do I have barbecue sauce, right? No! What she was saying with the sloppy joes is what they had at the Steel Magnolias. Uh, an open face chili, which uh, I got neither. Sounds kind of good on a day like today, but yeah, today's like mashed potatoes and gravy kind of day. So I will say, welcome Lucas Steele to the Carmack Podcast. Hello, how are you, man? We're good, and uh, we're. I said this to you already, but we're excited you're here. You know, we, I would feature to say that probably the majority of people that work for Carmack get your publication in one form or another and I know I get them on my desk in the magazine format but I also get a daily uh, update mm-hmm. you know we hit time. you from a lot of angles but so yeah I definitely you know thought wow this would be a great guy to talk to we're excited so welcome thank you thanks for having me Absolutely. glad to be here uh, so I gave you the tour already what'd you think of Carmack so far it's a bigger building than I thought yeah I, I mean, I knew it was a, I knew you guys had a lot of people here, but just going into your expanded area and just how many people are down here and finding out that you had two additional locations, I don't think I knew that you had a spot in Alabama. I think I knew you might have had a spot in Missouri, but. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, it's a fun place. And uh, we, the field offices are remote offices, and we have one in Springfield, Missouri. And then the Spanish Fort, Alabama. <laughs> I, I don't know why I always want to say Fort Walton or something. That's, but yeah, uh, so, you know, one of the things I was thinking about with you is I, I, I don't know what it's like to live the life of an editor other than you correct people's spelling and grammar a lot, I would assume. And There, there are certain <laughs> words that, that I catch for sure. So I assume that you're sitting down with your wife and just correcting her all the time. No, I've, no. I've learned not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have most of your teeth, so I yeah. can see that maybe you did learn that the, the easy way, so... Uh, so I guess I'm curious of, of a couple things and, you know, I have lots of things to ask you, but how does one become editor of truck parts and service? Like where did your career go before that and how'd you get here? I wanted to be a journalist or work in this industry for quite a while. I, I went to the university of Illinois, not far from here and majored in journalism and worked for the student newspaper for two or three years while I was there. And then when I finished, I worked for the News Gazette in Champaign-Urbana for about three, three and a half years. I worked I worked in the corporate office and I did some, some work for the daily newspaper. And then the News Gazette also owns anywhere from six to 10 weekly newspapers in small towns kind of around the greater Champaign-Urbana area. So I worked at a couple of those individual facilities and wasn't really looking in trucking, didn't really see that as being my career, but was started looking for new jobs and new opportunities and happened across an application. And you know, you know when you're looking for new jobs and you're at that age, I was 24, I think, you just start looking for the, the best job you can do or the job that you are qualified to do that gives you the most opportunity. And I'm, I'm fortunate that I found truck parts and service, that I found Randall Riley and went up and interviewed and it all worked great and I started seeing the, very soon saw the opportunity in this industry and I'm very glad that I took the job and haven't looked back. That's awesome and you've been with them now six years you did say? Yeah I started in January of 2011 so six six years in one month. 
And were you hired on as editor, or did you end up? I was hired on as associate editor, and I worked as the associate editor for a couple of years, and then moved up as into the editor role in 2013, and I've been editor of Truck Parts and Service and Successful Dealer now since then. Wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations. I don't know a way to say that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's usually the case with me. And you guys are headquartered in Alabama. Whereabouts? We're in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We're about 10 miles north of campus. And if you leave the building at the right angle, you can kind of see the football stadium over the hill. Yeah. We also have offices in Charlotte. Our data division is in Charlotte. And then we have a large group of employees such as myself that are remotely across the country. So I'm in Chicago. There are a couple other Randall Riley associates that are in the greater Chicagoland area. And we've got people all over the place. We've got... Just just on the trucking side, we also have editors in, I think, five or six other states. So, Which helps, because I assume you guys hit almost all of the trade shows. So you personally, how mm-hmm. what trade shows do you really try to get to? Well, my focus with aftermarket, with truck parts and service and successful dealers, the aftermarket and the dealer market. So everything that I'm going to go to is going to be focused on those, those two mm-hmm. aspects of the trucking industry. So I'll go to uh, last month. Went to HDAW and then went to ATD for the dealers. And then I'll go to TMC. I've been going to TMC since I started in the industry, which is, isn't such an aftermarket-specific event. It's more of a fleet event, but there's a lot of good quality information there. I learn a lot about the industry, and it's 50-50 focused on maintenance, so there's a lot of opportunity there. So I've always gone to TMC and seen value in that. Additionally, I'll go to the buying group meetings, so HDA Truck Pride in May and Vipar in October. CVSN has an event in September. I'll go to that. And then there's usually two or three other events during the year. I think the Rental and Leasing Association meeting on the dealer side, I'll probably go to that in April. Uh, Used Truck Association meeting I've attended a few times, and then we'll, we'll see from there. Our editorial staff at Randall Riley goes to about everything. Wow. But we try to send the right editor for the brand to the event. So if there was an event in Chicago that was owner-operator specific, our owner-operator editor would most likely go unless for whatever reason he or she had a previous commitment and then I would go for convenience but we want the people that know the industry and and know that aspect of the industry to be at the event because they'll get the most out of it yeah that makes great sense and you know I guess I the truck parts and service I do read and I, I get successful dealer also but I guess I'm curious I've I don't know a whole lot about publications and things of that nature. So how do you guys even get all this information? Because like I said, you send a daily email update. Like, where is this all coming from? All over the place. A lot of what we get from, a lot of the news that we get in our daily newsletter is probably through press releases from suppliers or companies in the industry. Anytime I'm at any trade show, and your listeners will know, I advise everyone to send me all the news that you have or news that you think that you have. Mm -hmm. I tell people, send anything that you have, anything that's going on, and I will make the determine whether or not it's news. But I would rather you send it than not send it and miss the opportunity to publicize your business or or get news out into the industry that you want to get out there. So that's the majority. Mm is submissions from businesses in the industry. And can you just, people can submit that stuff like through your website or email or how? You can send it. There's a, there's a about us section on the website or a contact us section on the website where you can just put that information in. My email is plastered all around the website. You can send it to me. You can call me and I'll walk you through it, the procedure. There are certain situations where people say, hey, I don't know if this is newsworthy or not, and I'll jump on the phone with them or we'll share a couple emails and I'll get the information that's necessary. Mm -hmm. 
about 50% of the stuff that we're getting is press releases that we're editing down and changing as necessary to use on the website. And the other 50% is things that we've heard about and then we're reaching out to someone to get more information to make the story. And that's in addition to that, or that would include any original content that we're doing in our newsletters, which varies how, depending on the events that are going on in the industry and the opportunities that we have to come up with new stories. I would just tell any reader that's interested in getting more information from our individual brands or Randall Riley in general to just reach out to us. My, like I said, my email, lucasdeal at randallriley.com is all over the website. My phone number's there as well if people want to call. Anything that they want to, they want to know more about what we do, they can call us or email us directly. Additionally, any suppliers or companies in the industry that are trying to get out news, just send it. Please send it. We can never have too much news. I would always prefer to have more news and not know what to do with it than be scraping the barrel looking for something. So it, it, it's best for everyone if you send it in and then I can determine whether or not I can use it. But the only way that the customer is going to find out about it is if you send it. So give it a try. So Lucas, what kind of stories do you really like, enjoy to do personally that you get excited when they come in? I think the stories that I enjoy the most are the business development or process improvement stories because I'm very much a process person in my life. I try to streamline how I do things in my day-to-day job. So when I'm working on a story that can allow a distributor or dealer to streamline what they do, I'm thinking along that wavelength and that's interesting to me. I like to see, yeah, if I was a dealer, I would put this here, I would move this here, I would change my software to do this because that's the way I think in my life and that's what I do day-to-day and, mm-hmm. and how can I be more effective in what I do as an editor. So those are stories that really, really resonate with me, even if the content itself is not a one-to-one correlation with what I do. I understand being in that situation and how can I be more efficient, how can I be better? Yeah, so, you know, I have to ask, this is what I do, but you've got to have some pretty hilarious stories about people that have sent items in or wanted you to publish a story that you're like, there's just no way I can put this out there. The biggest problem we get is automotive news. Really? Yeah, I get a lot of I get a lot of automotive aftermarket news, and I just it's not our market at all. Truck yeah. parts and services exclusively medium and heavy duty. We don't really go below class three for anything. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of suppliers that play on both sides of the fence in the auto and heavy duty market. So we get a lot of news from people that just doesn't work for our audience, and yeah. we just have to. More, I, I'm not going to respond if we're talking about some global billion-dollar company and they send a press release. I'm not going to email them back and say I can't use it. They know that I can't use it, but right. that's probably the most common thing. The other thing is testimonials. We don't we don't run testimonials. If you've introduced a new product or you've had a soft open of a new product and you're officially launching it nationwide and you've got a quote in there from one of your beta tests companies that said, you know, this product really worked for me and it was good. I'm glad I did it and I hope other people do it. That's promoting a new product. We'll keep that in a story. But if you send me a five page word document about how great your product is, that's not getting in. Yeah. We can't use that. So what about, how do you determine the integrity of the story? So if I think I'm a funny person and I get on your website and I put in this make-believe story about, you know, as he works for Carmack and she went on a rampage and stole a dozen trucks or something. And, you you know, I, I assume that you just can't take face value for this and you have to kind of make sure that these stories are legit. What is your process for that? 
reach out to Carmack in, in your situation. If you send that crazy email, I'm probably not going <laughs> to respond to you, but I'm going to respond to the other people in this room, the other people I know at Carmack and say, hey, is this true? Get some more information. Make sure that this is on the up and up. Yeah. For the most part, that that's fairly rare. We get a lot of submissions from overseas companies and that's kind of like the testimonials we just don't use it because right. our market is exclusively north american heavy and medium and heavy duty aftermarket uh new parts from china or india that's not relevant to our readers those parts aren't being sold here they're not purchasing them they're not interested in them. so for me it's just a quick delete if there's something going on in europe unless i can directly tie it into this market if it's a European manufacturer that's also a North American manufacturer and there's a little carryover in the products I can kind of use that but if it's just something that someone in Europe has decided to try then we don't worry about it and if it's something in South America we don't worry about it I don't really get anything from South America just generally speaking in, in those terms I also get a lot of stuff from China that's written in Chinese and I don't know what it says so yeah. I delete that but if if it's a questionable source, I'm just going to email the source back or I'm going to e talk to someone at that company and say, can I use this? What's going on here? Yeah, that's fair. I was just curious because mm -hmm. I did that the other day to you. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'll see how smart he is if he can catch up. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Maybe you thought it was a spam email when I asked you to come here and hang out with us. But <laughs> I'm glad you uh, checked into it and here you are. So the other thing uh, with with... Uh, the I don't want to call it a newspaper, but your publication. So I, I'm sure there's, you know, a certain audience that really enjoys getting the actual paper in their hand, and then there's people that really enjoy the electronic part of it. Like, what's the mix there? I mean, do you guys? How do you decide how many to send? How many magazines to send out compared to, uh, you know, how many people are reading the electronic stuff or your website and that that, that stuff? Our subscriber list is larger for the magazine. Our subscriber list for the magazine is probably twice the size of the newsletter subscriptions. They're all free. You can sign up for each one however you want it to be received. So in addition to our larger magazine subscriber list, some people receive a print publication. Some people get an email with a digital publication they can scroll through on their computer. There are some people that get the magazine that also get the newsletter. There are some people that only get the newsletter. There are some people that only get the magazine. It's entirely up to the reader and how they would prefer to get the news. Obviously, we would prefer they get the magazine and the newsletter because the magazine has original feature content that the website and the newsletter aren't going to have until after the magazine is published. Mm -hmm. So in, in order to really see the in-depth stuff that we're working on, you got to get it in the magazine because when you get it on the news through the newsletter and on the website, it's older news. But in, in that same respect, a lot of the news and new products that are in the magazine are old news to the newsletter subscribers. So it's, it's really however the customer wants it. And we provide as many options as we can mm -hmm. for the reader. And how do you feel like social media, such as I know you guys have Twitter, uh, has that become really an important piece of how you get news out there? Or is it all kind of just complement each other? How does that work? How do you manage all of that? Managing is not too hard thus far. What we've done with Truck Parts and Service and Successful Dealer is we just post a link to each story that we do the next day. So everything that goes up today will be sent out tomorrow. And those are scheduled they take five minutes. You just schedule them for the next day, and you just send them out intermittently during the day. 
I've over the last couple of years started to become more and more involved in Twitter because I see it as a really good news platform, not just for trucking news, but just any news in which you're interested. You can find sources that you see value in following and you can customize your Twitter feed to whatever you want to learn about. So you can customize it to trucking news or political news or sports news or weather, whatever works for you. I'm not a Facebook person personally. It's not something that I use at home, but I know there are a lot of people out there that do use it. So we post on Facebook as well. And I think our goal right now is to just be on those platforms and be available and have our content there. And as more and more people in this industry see value in social media and become more active in social media, when they decide, hey, I wonder if truck parts and service and successful dealer are there, they'll find that not only are we there, but we've been active there and you can get news there in the same way you could through the magazine and through the newsletters. Yeah, I'm, I've got your, your Twitter uh, page up right now, and you've got a lot of followers. I'm a little jelly because you got way more than me, like triple. Uh, so it's pretty humbling for me. But anyway, <laughs> I see it's uh, ID deal or LD deal 85, uh, Lucas deal. That's your Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and you've got, you do. You've sent out almost 4,000 tweets, so you're out there. And that's why I was curious, like, how do you manage that and edit the paper and do it all and the electronic stuff? Like, that's a lot of stuff. The, the Twitter, as you know, I mean, it doesn't take long to send a tweet. It's very much just I'm sitting there at my desk during the day and I pull up Twitter and find something that we just recently published on the website that seems interesting and throw it up there, you know hey, this company's doing this, or like yesterday, hey, I'm going to be going to Carmack on Thursday. Send that tweet out. It doesn't take much time. It depends on what you want out of it. If I was to post, I'd probably post four to five times a day on my Twitter. If I posted 15 to 20 times a day, I'd probably have three times as many followers as I do. Mm-hmm. But that would be a commitment if I was posting 20 to 25 times a day. That would take a lot of time because you'd have to find out when do you want to send all those posts? What do you want to be talking about? You're going to be talking about the same thing two and three times, and I... At this point, I'm using it more as sort of a to supplement what we're doing, but it's not a, a, a huge focus right now. All right. Well, you have a presence, so that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Do you guys think you'll ever get into the podcast world or you know any other kind of media? I don't know. Our uh, we've had uh, other editors across the Randall Brands that have been on different multimedia platforms, and we've done some done some work with Sirius with some of the trucking trucking radio shows and we try to as we go to more events we try to do more video content and get sort of video interviews up on our website and sometimes we'll record a a face-to-face interview and post it as effectively a podcast which is just an inter- a live interview at an event have we done anything scheduled no but I think we're open to it I think it would be determining how we would want to do it and would we want to do it specific to a brand or for the industry at large? And uh, so, you know, back to uh, the the paper, you know, topics and things of that nature. So what are the big, what are the hot stories? What do you really like to see in there? And what are people excited to read about? It varies a little bit depending on the brand. Successful dealer, the focus seems to be on OEM news and dealer news. So there's been a lot of acquisition in the dealer market over the last couple of years, as I'm sure dealers have noticed. And that's usually the most popular stories on our website is who's doing what, who's buying this, who's getting out of the industry. 
And then additionally, any OEM news, if they're making any changes that's going to impact their dealer network, those are usually going to be fairly well received. Truck parts and service, a little bit more to the new product side. The distributors and the service providers out there want to know what they need to stock and what their customers are going to need. So they're, they're, there's more of an interest in that type of product on that website or that type of story on that website. Additionally, there hasn't been the kind of consolidation in the independent aftermarket the last three or four years that there's been in the dealer market. So there's just less of that news available or I'm getting less of that news from the sources that I have and the people that I'm reaching out to. I'm not hearing as much about it. But that's just from a readership perspective on page views on our website. Those are the stories that people seem to be most drawn to. Interesting. And what uh, kind of trends are you seeing in the aftermarket world? Like what are, what's going on there overall and the health of that is from your perspective? From what I can tell, 2016 was kind of a punt year. I think a lot of people's numbers were even over 2015 or down slightly. There were some areas where they were down a lot. There were other areas where people did okay. And at HJW a couple of weeks ago, the team from McKay & Co. did a industry update, and they said numbers last year were, were down about one and a half points in North America. They were up in Canada because the exchange rate's wonky, and it costs a lot more to ship product to Canada. So Canada was up 7%, but they're not selling any more parts. They're just charging more for the parts that they're selling. For 2017, it looks like from, from their data and just the people that I've talked to that it's probably going to be up a little bit. One point, maybe two points, which isn't great, but I guess it's better than going the other way. I guess if you survived last year, you should survive this year. Mm. Maybe it'll be a little bit better. That seems to be the trend as from a sales perspective. On the dealer market, the used truck sales were just crushed last year. And January is really good from the numbers we got this week. But I don't think even a strong January, I don't think 2017 is going to be anything tremendous. I think it'll be better than last year, but... It didn't take much to be better than last year, or it wouldn't take much to be better than last year. And so you, you're you more involved, would you say, in the aftermarket side than the dealer market? I think I have more contacts in the aftermarket side. I started When I started, I started with truck parts and service, so I've met a lot of people in that industry. More of the events that I attend are aftermarket specific. I try to make as many contacts as possible in the dealer market, but I think I do know more people in the aftermarket, and I'm probably more comfortable at an aftermarket event just for, for that reason. Got it. And I was reading your recent uh, update on HDAW that uh, they set some attendance records. So I'm assuming you were at that show. Mm -hmm. And uh, why do you think that is? Well, the trade show is enormous and continues to grow. It has maximized the space. They have filled up two full rooms. The the general trade floor and then an auxiliary floor are all filled. They've got people in the hallways. They've reached a point where the only way they could have more exhibitors at HCAW is to put them in the casino, which would probably bring in even more people to the event. <laughs> it might. But it just seems like there are so many new companies in this industry or so many companies in this industry that are trying to find distributors that more and more suppliers are going out there and making a presence. And the distributor numbers have grown too, not, to the, not at the rate that the supplier numbers have grown. But I think people realize that if you want to be productive in this industry, if you're a supplier, you want to make sales, you got to go to HCAW and get in front of these guys. So you would say if you're an aftermarket, that uh, that would be the show that you can't miss, would you say? Or Yeah. Absolutely. I would say that's the show to go. I would say for a distributor as well, that's a show you should be going to. If you're a distributor in a buying group, you should be going to your buying group meetings because you're a member of that organization. Why would you not want to be there? 
but just generally for knowledge and knowing what's going on in the industry, what's available to you as an independent distributor and being able to talk to your suppliers and potential suppliers, you're never going to find more than you'll find at HDAW. And there's no other show that's directly for you like that show is. And what would you say is the equivalent on the dealer side? There's not a direct equivalent on the dealer side. As far as uh, you can't miss this show if you're a dealer. I don't know that there is one. I really? think that it's probably you want to go to your individual OEM right. sales meeting. You have to. I I would assume those are required events. If they're not, they should be. But there's no one dealer show that I'm aware of that is as expansive as HGAW and covers the market the way that HGAW well, does. And that's just just an unfortunate situation. ATD is a has a presence at the NADA show, but it's nothing nothing close to what HDAW has. I was thinking ATD, but you're right. I have heard that that's kind of uh, less of a presence for sure. So where do you see the industry going? Which industry? Uh, let's start with aftermarket. I think more and more, more and more distributors are sort of seeing the value with technology, whether it's running their business or selling their products. I think HDAW this year, everything's going to come back to that because that was two weeks ago and it's fresh in my mind, but. You could tell that distributors are starting to acknowledge the fact that this online sales thing's not going away. And I don't know that Amazon's going to come in and destroy this industry. I don't think they have that ability at this point. But I think if you're a distributor and you don't have an, any sort of e-commerce component, even if it's just an ordering component, you're going you're gonna to regret that. And I know that's expensive, and I know that that takes time. But... As this industry gets younger, more and more people are going to go that route. I buy stuff online, and I hate that I do it. But sometimes you think it's I got to go all the way down there. I got to get it takes you know it'll take two or three hours for me to go somewhere where I could go online and click it and buy it and, and boom, it shows up right at your door. If you're a service guy and you're working and you need something and you know that you need it, and it's six fifteen, and that distributor's closed. You got to wait until eight o'clock the next morning to call them and see if they have it. If they oh. don't have it, they got to ship it, and it might take another day or two, or it might take a week. Where at least if you could go onto their website at six fifteen and see, yes, they have one in stock, and cl- effectively claim it, then you know you'll get it the next day. Right. No, I agree. I think you should have an online presence nowadays, and I, I'm guilty of buying stuff on Amazon. In fact. Uh, my wife and I, we tend to say, you're not getting any Christmas presents unless you put them on Amazon wish list, and then I can just sit there in my pajamas and <laughs> order them. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of the auto side has a lot of online presence. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I, I would think that this industry would want to do the same, like to your point, even if they're just starting to get their toe in the water there uh, to build that presence. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely become a thing mm-hmm. uh, so you know don't be left behind there yeah I the column I did for truck parts and service in February is sort of focused on this and that the the big advantage that the independent aftermarket has or the dealer has in this situation is you've got a lot more parts on stock in stock than an Amazon would and Amazon might be able to put 20 million SKUs on their website and they might have them at a facility in you know at one of their gigantic distribution centers, but it's probably still going to be two or three days for them to get it to Mm -hmm. you. Because most, I mean, if you ship something on Prime, it's still two days where if you've got it in your store and you're 30 miles away, 
Why wouldn't they buy? Why would the customer not buy from you? Right, right. Why wouldn't he go online during the evening or in the morning and then you can, and you'll deliver it to him the same way Amazon will, but you'll deliver it to him in two hours. That's right. a huge advantage. So, yeah, you can't let a truck sit there for two or three days. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that goes for the service side and the parts side. I, I just, I know how, I know it's got to be unbelievably difficult for a distributor and finding, the company that can create this platform for you, deciding what parts I'm going to put on it, how am I going to promote it, mm-hmm. who's going to manage it. I can't begin to grasp how difficult that is, but I just know that that's not going away, and it's it's the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be five years late. You want to be five years ahead. You got that right. And as far as the dealership side on new trucks, do you think there's been a, a lot of sale of new trucks online or do you think people still need to get into the dealerships i don't know that there's online i'm sure that there is i'm sure it exists but that's not something that i've heard about no there is on the used side i see those a a lot i'll see them even on twitter advertising you know different used trucks but i haven't seen a lot of new online stuff well i would think the fleets that are going out and buying 500 new trucks (laughs) at a time are probably not going online yeah one click making those purchases, I would imagine they're going in and they're sitting down with their OE representative and saying, this is exactly what I need on that truck and it needs to be able to do this and they're making the sale that way. I'm sure somewhere someone's bought a new truck on the internet, but that's not something Yeah, if that you I've have, call Lucas, he will do an uh, article on you because you were an anomaly, You were that one sir. guy. You were a trendsetter. I mean, people buy cars online all the time and mm-hmm. I know that it's not necessarily apples to apples there, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, you know, you can locate things in and have a visibility to things that you otherwise would not have and even if you decide you still want to go on site to see that you have found something that interests you and i think that's the power of the online sales uh is just to have that exposure out there to say hey here's what we have on our lot uh and again it may follow up with a visit but they wouldn't know necessarily that that truck was sitting there if Mm -hmm. they weren't shopping around online Mm -hmm. We have done a lot in recent years on sort of from the dealer perspective, promoting your product online because there are customers that are out there that are looking for a product and it's a lot easier to look at 10 or 15 dealer lots sitting in your office than it is to drive to 10 or 15 dealers. And if you know the kind of truck you want, the year you want, the kind of engine you want, you can go online and you can say there, you know, there's 40 in my area and there's. 25 of them that have the engine that I want and you can kind of read through on the internet and then you pick the four or five you like and you go visit those four or five Mm -hmm. and you make that purchase so yeah I don't see that going away and in the used truck market that's probably going to continue to be more important I would believe so Mm -hmm. you know I'd be curious about your relationship with other vendors such as Carmack and its competitors of software and the like how do you guys uh, work in your advertising and things of that nature. What do you do to encourage those relationships? We have relationships with just about every supplier in the industry, whether it's a, a company like Carmack or other software providers or it's hard parts providers, manufacturers, whether it's news content or advert- their advertisers with truck parts and service or other Randall Riley brands. Our goal our goal at Randall Riley is to get information out to the industry and educate our readers as much as we can. So my goal for Truck Parts and Service is to do everything I can to better educate the distributors and the service providers out there on how to better their businesses. Same thing for a successful dealer. How can I make a dealer a successful dealer? 
So we have relationships with Carmack. We have relationships with Carmack's competitors. We have relationships with anybody out there that wants to make a dealer's business better, that wants to make a warehouse distributor's business better. And our goal is to get your information out there, whether it's news information through me or whether it's just promotional information about the ways in which you can help a company through our different advertising opportunities. And we have our magazines and we have our websites and we have our events and we have all of the data that we, all of the our data products and all of the different avenues in which we can provide you specific content that can better prepare you to help your customers and to help your customers be successful in the industry. And I would like to think when I'm talking to a supplier that if they have any interest in doing anything to reach out to us and we will find the thing that we do that can best help them. Maybe it's advertising in truck parts and service. Maybe it's our owner-operator publication Overdrive. Maybe they want to have a better relationship with the fleet market and then we can direct them to CCJ. Or maybe they have good relationships. They're just trying to really get out in the field and get in front of customers. And then our rig dig business business intelligence product can give them a better understanding of who their customers are and put them in front of those customers to make sales. But I just, I say, come to me, tell me what you're looking for, and I'm going to direct you to the person if it's a news information and news content, I'm just going to run with it on my own. But if it's something where you're trying to get in front of a customer, I'm going to direct you to the person at Randall Riley that can help you. That is pretty valuable, I would imagine, to uh, everyone so. in the industry. I can't imagine why people wouldn't uh, take advantage of the free publication, whether mm. it's electronic or yeah. magazine. I mean, uh, anything uh, Carmack can do to make your life easier out there? I think what I always ask of suppliers is, in addition to the general content, is being available for stories that I'm working on. We try to put our editorial calendar out there and know what we're working on. And I'll reach out to any supplier for anything when a story comes up. Just It's just a matter of making it work for them. There are some suppliers that are better than others, but I'm always going to reach out to anybody that I can think of. And it's it makes it a whole lot easier for me, and it makes the stories better when the people on the other end of the phone pick up. So. Sure. Well, Carmack is really, we pride ourselves in the industry, uh, you know, being involved in the industry and, you know, not just as a, as a vendor, but as industry experts and uh, things of that nature. So we are absolutely always open to having those discussions with you in any way. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't think we would ever avoid a call from you. You guys have always been very helpful. I've done a lot of good stuff with Carmack through the years, and I'll continue to call you guys because I know that you'll be there for me and be able to help me out. Outstanding. I know you have a long drive back to Chicago, so I will end this discussion with thanking you again. I, I know it's a long drive for you and a long day. Uh, I think you got a, a, a lot of good information. I appreciate getting the, the publications, and it keeps me up on the industry as I'm kind of mm-hmm. locked in my office. Uh, but I, I think it's helpful, and I think a lot of people are impacted by what they read and, and probably seek more of that. So keep doing what you're doing. Uh, we eat it up here, and I certainly get uh, a lot of those magazines and fill up our inboxes. So we are all over reading your stories, and it, it's been fun to meet you. I, I have to admit that originally when I would, came on board, I've been at Carmack three years, and I would get, I was encouraged to get uh, a couple of these publications in my email, so I signed up for them. And I saw Lucas Deal for a long time, and I thought it was the name of a company, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's a person. So it was cool to meet the actual Lucas Deal. I feel yeah. like I'm meeting a celebrity a little well, bit. We, um, 
when, when I started, I would just send it out as truck parts and service. And we decided a couple of years ago to put our names on our brands to sync the editor up with the publication. So when, when we're at an event, people know who we are and know, oh, you're the right. guy with, you're the aftermarket guy or you're the fleet guy. And I think it's made a difference. I think it's helped with recognition at events. And then, yeah, we well, walking around the office here. Oh, you're that guy that hits me with the email every morning. It, it doesn't hurt. And right, I, I think any way that you can connect what you're doing with your brand and, and with your readers is a good idea. So I'm glad that we've done it and we'll continue to do it. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here on behalf of the entire Carmack team. Thank you uh, for showing up and doing this. Uh, we'll thanks for having me. I think people are excited to hear what you have to say. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. listening to the Carmack Podcast, and thank you, Lucas Deal, for showing up. Lucas can be reached at truckpartsatservice.com. You can email him at lucasdeal at randallreilly.com. Thank you, and have a fantastic day. And remember, we are the podcast for the heavy-duty industry.